0: Hello, I'm, my name is Dr. John Prudian, and uh, in this CD, I would like to talk to you about the soul transformation by the Spirit of God. You know, my story is I prayed for the sick for over 30 years without seeing people get healed, and it took me a while to figure out what the issue was, and once I finally started experiencing healing, breakthrough, and miracles, I had to go back into the scripture to find out what was going on all those years, why people weren't getting healed, so that I can help you step into this now, so that you will not only get healed yourself if you need healing in your body, and we will pray for that, but be activated in the healing ministry, because we know that this is the will of God, according to Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. This is the words of Jesus. He says, These signs shall follow those who believe. This is for anyone. So I don't want you to think just because you don't have gifts of healing, you can't lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Jesus does not say these is just for people with gifts of healing. This is for anyone who believes. That word belief is pistuo, and that is the word for faith. We see the giants of the faith in Hebrews 11, by faith Abraham offered uh, uh, up his son, Isaac, and all of these giants of the faith, that is the same word, peace duo, and it just simply means to have faith, God's faith. And this is what I was not operating in all those years. I was operating out of my soul. 1 Thessalonians 5:23 and 24 really um, sums up what we're made of. We, we're, the human body, the human person is made up of three parts, a spirit, soul, and a body, says, now may the God of peace himself, it, see, we have to realize it's himself doing it, sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. We are made up of a spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the pneuma. Peter calls him the hidden man in the heart. Paul calls him your inner man. It's your inner man that gets filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are saved and born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus died so that not only our sins could be forgiven, but that the Holy Spirit could come and rest in our spirit and take up residence in our spirit man. So that's our inner man with the Holy Spirit. Then we also have the soul. That's our mind, our will and emotions. That's the way that we think. And really, many times, that's just who we think we are. Is But that's not really the reality of it, but um, that was my problem. I thought I was this and that because that's what my soul was telling me. Maybe it's the way that you grow up. Your parents tell you the way you are. Maybe you receive um, negative words from other kids growing up or from a parent like, oh, you'll never amount to anything, or you're this or you're that. Uh, you're not good at this. You're not good at that and you receive these words and they become a part of who you are even though that's not who you are that's not who God says you are we all have to come into alignment who God says we are and that we come into alignment with that by reading the word we we are who he says we are he is who he says he is these are two of the most important things to understand Otherwise, we're just going to believe lies about ourselves. We're going to believe we can't do this. We're going to be be double-minded. We're going to be easily led astray when the devil speaks lies to us. It's very interesting when you read the Word. We know that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And when he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus and rests on him like a dove. A voice from heaven says, This is my Son with whom... I am well pleased. We know this story, and we know what happens shortly afterwards. He gets led into the wilderness, and he's tempted by Satan. And what does Satan tempt Jesus with? It's very interesting that he actually tempts... Jesus is the Word incarnate, but Satan tempts Jesus with the Word, He says, if you are the Son of God, and there's three temptations. One of them is, you know, throw yourself off this cliff and the angels will catch you and you'll be just fine. Another one is, see these rocks, turn them into bread. And Jesus says, it is also written. It's very important that you know what is also written and not just what is written. When the devil tempted Jesus, throw yourself down and... um, the angels will catch you. That's He's quoting a scripture. But Jesus says, it is also written, thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. See, it is, this is why it is essential to not only know what is written, but to know what is also written. Otherwise, you might just believe only what is written, and you might take it out of context. To know the also written is to know the complete totality of the word. And I see too many believers getting off track because they don't know the complete Word. They will take verses out of context. And so you need to really study the Word and enter into the Word and engage the Word. We know Jesus is the living Word. Jesus knew the Word so well, He is the living Word, that He was able to rebut Satan with Scripture. He counters Satan's Scripture with other Scripture, with the also written. It's very important to know the also written. Otherwise, Our soul will not become aligned with the word of truth and what the Bible says, and you're not going to believe who you really are. It's really a matter of breaking so many of the lies that have been spoken over you, some of the lies you believe, some of the misinterpretation of Scripture. I hear a lot of people say, I can't pray for the sick because I don't have gifts of healing. And we, and taking the passages that uh, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians out of context, and you've got to realize that Paul's talking about special operations of gifts of healing and workings of miracles. And there's not just one gift of healing. It says gifts of healing. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of gifts. And he bestows on every believer certain gifts. And I always tell people, you know what the most important gift is? Whatever gift you need at the time for the, to minister to the person directly in front of you. You have the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. The person in front of you needs a word from God. You need to hear whatever it is. It, at that moment, you might need the gift of word of wisdom. You might need a word from God. You might need a prophetic word to break that shell and hardness off of that person in front of you. You might need a word of knowledge from the Lord so that they understand what's, uh, you know, that God wants to heal them. We were um, my wife and I had dinner just two, two nights ago, and the uh, the waiter. I we, you know I just said, man, I just I feel like the the Lord is on you and He's doing amazing things in your life. And I said, do you need do you need prayer anywhere? You need healing in your body. He goes, no, not really. I'm good. I'm, I think I'm I'm pretty good right now. I says, well, what about your left shoulder? And he got real quiet on me. He goes, man, you're freaking me out right now. I says. Well, what is it? He says, man, I, I hurt my left shoulder playing sports many years ago, and it hasn't been right since. See, God got his attention. All of a sudden, he's locked in. All of a sudden, that word of knowledge brings him into alignment with and and open to receive what I'm going to tell him next, which is the gospel, which is about Jesus, which is about how much... God loves him and desires him to come into kingdom alignment and become a son of God, have the blood of Jesus applied to his life and his sins forgiven. My wife gave him an amazing prophetic word regarding his destiny, and uh, this this guy was rocked to the core. But see, we have an encounter with God. We know him intimately so that we can be an encounter for the people around us. The problem is our soul gets into the way, our our old thinking. Are um, things that we were raised with that aren 't in line with the kingdom of God, this is what has to be broken off of us. our wrong thinking so here 's what happened i 'm trying to pray for the sick all those years i 'm taking in garbage through my senses, through my eyes through my um, through my ears, listening to the things i shouldn 't believing lies about me or others. And then I go to pray for the sick, and I'm thinking, if I just believe, if I just believe, oh, believe, 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 I just have to believe in my head that they'll be healed, they'll be healed. And then I lay hands on them, and nothing happens. And it's heartbreaking. It's devastating. I'm seeing people that I love and care for suffer, and suffer unnecessarily. They're suffering because I'm not walking in the fullness of God that I should be. I should be bringing the kingdom of God wherever I go, wherever Jesus went, there was healing breakthrough wherever he was welcomed, I should say. Obviously, Nazareth, he was not welcomed, and he could do no great miracles there, but lay hands on a few sick people and heal them, which to me is still pretty cool that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. But it said he could do no great works there, no mighty deeds, because they didn't honor him. They didn't believe that he was who he said he was. And so Um, really, it was rejection. And you'll, you'll face rejection, but you can't take it personal. Just think about Jesus. So he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. He comes up out of the water. He's tempted. He defeats Satan for those 40 days of fasting. And it says, the Bible says he returns in the power of the Spirit. So now he's empowered by the Spirit. He's heard the voice of his Father say, this is my Son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. So everything is going just great. And then, Later, he goes to the town of Nazareth, he goes to the synagogue, opens up the Bible. We know this passage he preaches, this is the acceptable You're the Lord and all this. And then they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And the next thing you know, they want to throw him off the cliff. Think about this. This is his own people, the people that he grew up with, his townspeople, the people that... Um, knew him, the people that he's really closest to, that he grew up with. Think about like all your relatives and this wanting to kill you. That's a bad day. That's, that's major, major rejection. That's, that would be considered a bad ministry day. But it doesn't rock Jesus at all. And later he goes to Capernaum and he sees complete healing breakthrough because they receive who he is. We, in our nature, we would be like, oh, God, you told me, you told me I was your son, and now they've rejected me, and da-da-da, what's going on, God? You told me you were your son, and we'll start complaining to God about the whole thing. Why were we rejected? And then we're probably not going to be as bold the next time around. That's not the kingdom of God. That did not affect Jesus one bit because he knew who he was. He didn't let those words of rejection at Nazareth affect him. And so he was able to move on to the next town. And that's where the healing breakthrough was. Some church scholars even believe that Jesus had a house in Capernaum, that that was his home base, that he actually uh, lived there. And we know that Peter's mother-in-law was healed. And then They brought all kinds of sick people to him. Capernaum is the place of breakthrough. I want you to get to the place of breakthrough in your life, where everywhere you go, the kingdom is coming. That doesn't mean you won't suffer rejection, and I I don't want you to get bent out of shape when you do, when people reject you, because it will happen. If you're doing things right, you will be persecuted, and the good news is God says even we're blessed when we're persecuted. So don't be alarmed by persecution and don't let it get you down and don't let it get you discouraged. One of the biggest issues with me was I was discouraged that people weren't healed. Instead of coming into alignment with the Word of God and who he says to keep going, I let the disappointment and pain and frustration define me and who I, and who I was at the time. Who you think you are now is not who you really are or who you'll always be. Those are the lies that must be broken off of us for us to come into our destiny. At that time, I could have never never thought that the 10-year plan for my life was to go all over the world doing healing meetings and training and activating people in healing. This was the man formerly known as God's least anointed. I prayed for people and nothing happened. God will take the very failures of your life. Think about the areas of your life that are the sources of the greatest pain, frustration, and disappointment. Those are probably the areas of your life that God wants you to walk in the greatest breakthrough in. And the reason you're not is the enemy has come hard against you in your very area of destiny. This is why it's so important to get the victory. We don't deal with disappointment by dealing with disappointment. We were not designed to deal with disappointment. We were designed to live in victory in Him. It's very important that you get the victory. I don't care what area of your life it is. If you've got a history of bad and broken relationships... It's time to get the victory and start getting some good relationships and start teaching people on healthy relationships. If you're faced financial failure, it, it always seems like you take one step forward and two steps back. You finally think you're getting ahead and then, bam, the enemy comes and you've got no money again and uh, you've got a financial lack. You're probably meant, because of that, and that's the area of biggest frustration in your life, you're probably meant to walk in financial abundance and actually train people how to be fiscally responsible and receive blessings of the kingdom of God. Because the enemy has come hard at you. Think about Jesus, his destiny, who he is, is the son of God. He gets baptized, the father says, this is my son. The first words out of the devil's mouth are, if you are God, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, questioning on the very thing, the very nature of who he is. If you're meant to walk, you're meant to walk in great financial blessings. Like you'll never amount to anything, the enemy will say. You're really bad with money. Look at the failure of your life. There's never going to be any breakthrough. Never going to be any breakthrough. That's the time you need to smile and say, Ah, now I know. Now I'm realizing it right now the enemy has just helped you pinpoint the area of your life that you're going to walk in the greatest area of blessing in the more area the, wherever whatever area he's trash talking you in in the most you can just say thank you enemy for doing me such a great favor you've just revealed a great part of my destiny and who i am to me just like he said to to uh to jesus he says if you're the son of god well i mean that's just confirmation right there that he is, but he was already confirmed by his Father. That's what gives you the real confirmation. That's why I say you must know the Word and come into alignment with who he says you are as identity, first and foremost. This is is so important, and be led by the Spirit of God as a Son of God. The mind of Christ is in us by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says that we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ thinks kingdom thoughts. The mind of Christ sees from God's perspective. It sees people like God sees people. Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father do. I only speak what I hear my Father speak. This is the same thing we're to do. We're just to be—I like um, an old pastor of mine from years ago says, you say, Jesus just goes from one place of prayer to another. And in between those places of prayer, the kingdom comes, and people get healed, people get set free, people get delivered and and set free from the yoke of bondage. Isaiah 10.27 says, The yoke of bondage is destroyed by the anointing oil. And I'm going to pray at the end of this session for the, for the unbelief, the double-mindedness, the areas of your life that are not lined up with the kingdom of God to come into alignment and for God to reveal those areas to you that you could get set free, that you could repent from those areas and, and line yourself. Repent means to turn, turn from the wrong thinking, turn from the double-mindedness and stand in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. In the next CD, we're going to be talking about faith and the faith of God rising up and increasing in you. But right now, I want to, I want to talk about getting your soul into alignment with the, with the kingdom of God. Romans 7, Paul talks about the um, law of sin and death. He talks about being fleshly. A lot of people will read Romans 7 and think that that is the way they are supposed to be and not realizing that Paul is giving you an example of what the thinking that you need to get away from. Romans 7 says, oh, what I really want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. And it's this vicious cycle of just messing up. And I've heard believers, they'll quote this and say, well, I messed up. But you know how it is. This is what Paul said. We try to do something and we don't do it. And they will use this as a justification for them, uh, for their lack, for not being in kingdom alignment. And Paul is not saying that at all. He's using this as an example of what you've been set free from, of who not to be. He leads off in Romans 8, There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He says, what I'm speaking about here in Romans 8, the law of life of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death, which is this cycle of what I really want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I keep doing. That is not where you're supposed to be. If your life is there, you're living according to the law of sin and death and not according to the life of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. We are going to pray for you to be, to, for your soul at the end of this session to be flooded, But we have to lay a foundation of truth here so that you understand what's happening when we pray so that you know how to receive and step into it in the moment that we pray for you. If I just pray for you and I don't give you the firm foundation in the word, you won't know what to do with it. You won't know how to receive it. You have to know how to receive from the word. We have to understand you need we need to get out of this mindset of Romans seven and oh I just oh, I just I'm just a mess up. What I don't want to do, I just keep doing and I just mess things up and I try my best, you know, and I'm really trying and uh I'm just I'm just gonna try to hold on until Jesus comes. That's the best we can do is try to live a good—I just try to live a good life. I just try to be a good person, and I've given my life to Jesus, so I know that someday, someday everything's going to be good, and someday um, I'll get to be with Jesus. And this is Romans 7. This is not what Jesus paid paid the price for it's not just for you to go to heaven someday it's for you to be filled with the spirit of god and to be led by the spirit because you're a son of god romans 8:14 says sons of god are led by the spirit of god if we don't have the holy spirit active and moving in our lives it will make no difference in our lives i had the holy spirit i have the holy spirit i've had the holy spirit for many years But I still prayed for the sick and they weren't healed. Why were they not healed? Well, because I'm praying from my soul and the spirit is not involved. Though I have the Holy Spirit, he's being suffocated by my soulishness, my wrong thoughts. My thoughts that are not in line with the kingdom of God are preventing the release of the kingdom of God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The the full, the muscularity of God, the Greek word is kratos. The kratos power of God is resident in you. We must know who is in us. Remember, it is Christ in you wherever you go. It is not you. According to Galatians 2.20, it says, It is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives within me. And this life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. We're going to talk a lot about faith in the next session, because faith is absolutely essential for your walk in the Lord. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. We'll get into that later. The point now is that the might and muscularity of God is resident in every born-again, spirit-filled believer. The kratos power, the might of God, he is there. It's a it's one thing to have the might and muscularity of God resident in you. It's another thing for that which is within you, Christ in you, to be released. Christ means anointed one. You could say Hamashiach is the anointed one. Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus Christ. Christ is not the last name of Jesus. He's Hamashiach, which means anointed one, and you are anointed one in you, according to Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ, which is anointed one in me, lives. So my name is John. When I got saved, filled with the Spirit, John died. We're dead. It says we are dead. And um, when we die, we are raised anew as a new creation, Christ in us, the hope of glory. It is Christ within us. Isn't that comforting to know that wherever you go, when you preach the gospel, whatever you do, it is Christ in you. It is not you anymore. You're dead and good riddance. It's really good to be dead. It gives me great comfort when I pray for the sick to know that it is no longer I that is praying for the sick, but Christ that lives within me that is praying for the sick. It's Christ in me the anointed one in me. So to be truthful with you, my name is not John. My name is anointed one in John. This is who I am. I am anointed one in John. I am not John anymore. When you start to become in alignment with this truth, your life will change. Don't think it's just you anymore. And I hear some people, some Christians say, oh, it wasn't me it was god well of course we know that that we of course we know it wasn't you but you're dead so to make a statement it wasn't me it was god yes there's an element of truth to that and we'll explain i'm going to talk about co-laboring but to make a statement like that separates you from god in some ways it wasn't me it was god well it's christ in you is the new creation and of course christ in you is is the majority of it. I like to say it, when it comes to healing, we do the small possible part, God does the large impossible part, and we're going to talk about co-laboring more. But God just calls us to do the small possible part, but it's Christ in you is what we need to keep in mind. I never take credit. We give God all the glory. I mean, after 30 years of praying for the sick, believe me, I know... It's got very, very little to do with me. What little part I play, I am honored to play in the Lord. And this is where we stay humble and we never, ever touch the glory of God. And we're just so thankful. We treasure the Holy Spirit. One of the keys to being activated and moving in the power of the Spirit is having the unbelief broken off of you. When the unbelief... I had a stronghold of unbelief that was resident in me that was preventing the dynamis power the power of God, when it is emitted, is the dynamis power. That word, it says, when the woman with the issue of blood touched the Lord Jesus and he felt power go out of him, that is the Greek word dynamis. And that is the dynamis. That is the flow of the Spirit. So all those years, I was praying for the sick, but there was no, there was no dynamis. Some people say dunamis, dunamis, power, being released because I was praying from my soul. As soon as I tapped into the Spirit, then my thinking began to change. It was My soul was, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We know this scripture. It is very important that our mind be transformed into the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, but it's in the Spirit. We need to get the mind of Christ into our minds, into our soul, once it's in our soul, then we begin to flow with it and all things work together for good. We have to conquer that in, once our own soul is subdued by the power of the spirit, then we can lead others to victory too. I tried to tell people about Jesus all those years when my own life was a mess and they could see that there was no anointing, there was no power on the words that I was speaking. I would tell people about Jesus and they'd be like, good, appreciate it. Thanks a lot for telling me. And they'd they'd walk away kind of like, okay, man, that guy's that guy's more screwed up than I am, and he's got Jesus, so why should I why should I uh come to know Jesus if I, I don't want to be like this guy? See we've gotta we've gotta come up higher. We've got to demonstrate the kingdom of God wherever we go. The kingdom of God is not word but in power. I knew my life with the Lord wasn't right because I just had words without any power. That is not the kingdom. The kingdom is not just words. It's words and power. So if when I was praying hands on the sick and not seeing results, I knew my life wasn't right. I knew I was walking in unbelief because Mark 16 says, these signs shall follow those who believe. Every believer should be casting out demons. He says, in my name, they shall cast out demons. If they, take up, uh, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then later in that uh, same chapter of Mark 16. It says, and they went out and God working with them and confirming the word with the accompanying signs. The word must always be confirmed. Whatever you talk about with somebody, there should be a tangible expression of whatever it is of the kingdom you are talking about. If you're telling somebody about the peace of God, there should be an impartation and an anointing of peace that is going out from your mouth when you speak about the peace of God. If you're talking about faith to someone or to a group of people, faith should be arising in them. There should be a release of faith. When you're talking about healing, there should be healing going forth into people's bodies. People should be healed wherever you go. This is the will of God. If people aren't getting healed wherever you go, then your soul is not in alignment with that which is of the Spirit, and we're being soulish. We're in Romans 7. I'm trying to do it, but I'm not doing it, and this is what I do want to do, I don't do, and we're back into this mess and vicious cycle. So many of the Christians I meet, I mean, I don't want to give a percentage, probably, but a great majority of them. Most Christians, they have the Holy Spirit, but their life is not much different than anybody else's life. Because they're not tapped into the power of the Spirit. They're, they have the Holy Spirit, but they're so, still living a soulish life. The life of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has not flooded into their soul and transformed them. That's where the difference... I mean, we have to start with the difference being in the Spirit, but without the Spirit, we've got absolutely nothing. Moses recognized this. He says, God, if your Spirit, if you do not go with us, if your presence doesn't go with us, I shall not go. I will not lead this people if your presence does not come. I want to encourage you to get desperate, to say, this is not right. The fact that people aren't healed when I pray for them, this is wrong, God, and I repent for this. My life is not in line with the kingdom of God, because if it were, people would be healed. Because this is what your word says. I'm not going to lower my life and the expectations of my life to lies, what other people have said, or my level of experience. I need to raise my experience to the level of truth and what you say and who you say I am and how you say I'm to function on this earth to bring light and the kingdom of God with me wherever I go. There has to be a hunger and desperation in your heart to say enough is enough. I'm tired of this mediocrity. I'm tired of of defeat and it's time that you step into victory. If you don't step into victory of your life, you will live a life of defeat and then you'll have to justify that defeat by taking scriptures out of context and making Using many people use the scriptures as like a salve, taking scriptures out of context, like a salve to justify their failure. This is what people do in Romans. Well, I messed up, but this is what Paul struggled with. This same thing, he what he tried to do, he didn't do, and oh well, I prayed for the sick, but you know that's just not really my gift. So you know, I'm dismissed. I'm excused. We can't make excuses anymore. And we have to come up higher and be who God called us to be. And then there's the reward, the 30, 60, the hundredfold. It's the parable of the sower, isn't it? Some seed fell by the wayside and the birds pecked it out of the air. The seed gets stolen quickly. Some... On rocky ground and spring up quick. I see people, they get real excited about God. They first get saved. Troubles come and they don't have a firm foundation in the word. And so the next thing you know it, they're messing around and, and just bad things are happening. We know that we need deep roots and we need to be rooted and grounded in love. And Jesus is love. God is love. We must be grounded in Him. We must get to the point where we cry out desperately for Him, Lord, if you don't touch me, if your life of the Spirit doesn't flood my soul, I've got absolutely nothing. I've got nothing to offer people. I've got nothing, Lord. I've just got anecdotes and this and that, and and I'm just trying to, you know, do good things. You know, unsafe people can do good things. I see these organizations that are that are not godly and they're feeding the poor and they're doing this or that, you know we've got to we've got to just we've got to get beyond just things that we can do in the natural. Feeding the poor is great. I'm all for feeding the poor. Please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But anybody can do that. You don't need the power of God to feed the poor. You, do, you need the power of God to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You do need the power of God to see the Holy Spirit released and people come into the kingdom of God to be gloriously saved. As Mariah Woodworth Eder said brightly saved. She, she liked it when people were brightly saved. In other words, they had an encounter with God. They weren't just making a decision in their mind for Jesus, but it was the Holy Spirit and power in deep conviction, bringing people brightly saved on their knees, repenting, giving their lives to God, and being filled with the Holy Spirit to such a point where they're overfilling and their mind is changed, and they go from being a jerk to an amazing person that brings the kingdom of God wherever they go. I'll never forget my uncle. Um, um, my uncle, uh, Uncle Hans. He was in his eighties, and he uh, he was an interesting character. Wherever uh, we'd have family gatherings, my other relatives would be like, "Is Uncle Hans going to be there? If if he's there, I don't really want to be there." because he's such a pain, and nobody likes being around him and this guy, and, you know, nobody wanted to be around him. He was just a pain, just difficult person. Well, yeah, in his mid 80s, he gets saved, radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he goes. He says, "John, I want you to come to my church. I come to my chur- his church. I'm just blown away that he's given his life to Jesus." But this is the radical transformation I'm talking about. And one of the one of the ladies of the church says, "Oh, can I just tell you something about Uncle Hans?" And I'm thinking, "Uh-oh, here we go again. He's probably, you know, now they're going to think he's a jerk here at at uh, this is how much faith I had. He's they're going to." Th- think the same thing my relatives do. They said, oh, I just got to say, your uncle is the most amazing, kind, generous man filled with the Spirit of God. And it's a total opposite picture of the picture that I'd had for so many years with him and how everyone else perceived him before he got saved. This is the radical transformation I'm talking about here. Don't settle for being a nice person. You know, when you go, there's going to be a confrontation between lies and truth. And you, you're, you need to get to the point where we speak the word of God boldly into situations, and it's okay for people to feel uncomfortable. There's too much uh, life coaching in churches today, and too many pastors are operating like life coaches trying to soothe the soul. Your soul will never be soothed unless it is filled with the Spirit and that which is of the kingdom of God. Don't ever try to soothe your soul, whether it's through Scripture— uh, taken out of context through life coaching. It has to be the power of the Spirit. I want you to be desperate as you are listening to this recording, desperate for God in a way you've never been desperate before. I'm tired of my life, Lord. I'm, I can't handle any more people not getting healed. I know I'm not being aligned right. I have the power of your Spirit, Lord God, and I thank you that the life of your Spirit now is transforming me, transforming my soul, transforming my thinking, and I'm not going backwards, Lord. I'm not going to let one wrong thought into my head. I'm going to take every thought captive from this point forward. See, I'm going to pray a prayer over you in a minute that's going to break some of these strongholds that have been keeping your mind in bondage. See, once that stronghold was removed from me, then I was able to receive from the Spirit, and then I just kept nurturing it and nurturing it and honoring, honoring the still small voice, honoring the Holy Spirit, the inner witness, not doing things that grieved Him. But I had to have that thing broken off of me first. And once that was broken off of me, what happened was my spirit and the Holy Spirit got a burst like this. My spirit just received life in that moment. In a moment, I'm going to pray for your spirit, man, to receive from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray in Ephesians three sixteen and 17 prayer. This is why it was essential for Paul to preach this. He says, I pray this over you, Ephesians three sixteen. out of the riches of his glory, you might be strengthened in your inner man by the Holy Spirit. We must be strengthened in our inner man by the Holy Spirit. When our inner man gets filled with the glory of God that is resident in us, then it expands. And then it expands to the point where it begins to flood into our soul and into our thinking. And a trickle of that life of the Spirit then enters into your soul, into your thinking. If you nurture it, if you thank God for it, if you get on your knees, if you start praying for the sick if you start nurturing it you start thanking god that crack that was that came into your soul with that life of the spirit think of it like a dam when a dam gets a little crack in it the water starts to slowly trickle through and as that water trickles through if you nurture it if you if you just go back to doing what you're doing Your soul starts to get life of the Spirit in Christ Jesus after we pray. But then if you just go back to life as normal, thinking as normal, what will happen is that shell that got cracked around, that was in your soul that got cracked will just close right back up. And then you'll need another impartation. You'll need somebody to pray for you again because you didn't do anything with it. If you nurture it, if you thank God for it, that life of the Spirit that now is trickling into your soul, you nurture that. It begins, goes from a trickle to a stream, and then it's just like a rushing flood if you nurture it. And then pretty soon, the life of your spirit then will just begin to flood your soul like never before. It starts like a trickle. And for some people, it starts radically. But for some, it starts like a trickle, and you nurture it, and you will see that life of the spirit then begin to transform you as you honor it. You spend time with the Word. You spend time in His presence in the secret place. I encourage you to spend time in the secret place. Do not let your soul control your life. Let the Spirit of God control your life. The reason why most Christians are powerless is they're being, they're living their life out of their soul and their body. They're living a two-thirds life, I call it, which is anti-Christ, because Christ is the anointed one in you. If you're living out of just your soul and body, you're living a two-thirds life, You're not living according to the Anointed One in you. You're bypassing the Anointed One. Then you've got absolutely nothing. You don't have the power. You don't have the breakthrough. You don't have the victory. You're living a two-thirds life. And two-thirds is like... Think of it like a ratio. Two-thirds is 66666. It's man doing it on his own. It's you doing it on your own. You might have the Holy Spirit, but you've bypassed Him, and you're living out of your soul and body. That's why your life isn't any different than anybody else around you. That's why... You face the defeats that you do. That is not God's will for your life. God's will for your life is to walk in victory. And then you will grow in faith. Faith is always tested. I understand that. We'll talk about that in the next CD. But for right now... We are going to pray for that stronghold to be broken off of you, for the control that your mind has over you that is stifling the life of the Spirit. I'm going to pray right now. Just receive this right now as we pray. Just just get in a place of receiving right now. Don't think this is going to happen later. This needs to happen right now. Get desperate. I want you to cry out right now in this moment for God like you've never cried out to Him before. And says, says, God, without your life of the Spirit flooding my soul, I've got absolutely nothing. God, I don't want to live. I repent for living a two-thirds life. I repent for living out of my body and what it desires, and my soul and what it desires, and thinking that I got saved just so you could give me things and bless my soul and bless just my body with stuff and meet my needs. It's so much better and so much beyond that, Lord. I'm dying today to those soulish desires that don't line up With your spirit, and I'm becoming alive right now in this moment to your desires, your will, your plan. You lose your life to gain your life. You will gain who you really are. You're holding on to things that you think are you and you think that you need, and those are the very things that are dragging your life down and making. Uh, and, and making your life a wasted life. Don't waste your life. I don't want to see any person waste their life. People that are living out of their soul and even praying to God that they get certain things, uh, that all that's still soulish. We, if you just give all that up, God will give you even more than you ask or imagine. You will come into your true self, which is Christ in you, the new creation A uh, laid-down life, and it, you will be filled with the abundance and joy of the Holy Spirit, It will transform your life, and you will transform lives of others, and your life will not be wasted. And you will not only receive a great reward on this earth in this time, but you will receive rewards for all eternity in your glorified body. This is what the Lord promises us. So right now, just receive. God, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be in bondage to my own thoughts. I don't want to be in bondage to my body and its desires and its addictions. I just break addictions off of people right now. They've got to have this, or they got to drink this, or do these drugs, or watch these movies. I just break that hold right now that is keeping people soul-bound. I just break through that in the name of Jesus. I break all the wrong thinking and the unbelief that is keeping people in bondage. And I just command right now for all of that demonic oppression, all the lies that you've believed, all the worldliness, all the fleshly desires right now that have kept you in bondage, to be broken right now in the name of Jesus. This is a dividing of that which is soulish and that which is spirit, according to Hebrews 4. We must divide that which is soulish and that which is spirit. And right now, Lord, we just divide that which is soulish, and we cast it aside. Right now, in this moment, we declare we will no longer live a Romans 7-defeated life, Lord, but we will live a Romans 8-life of victory in you. Now, right now, just receive as we are praying. I just speak an impartation right now in this moment, Lord. I pray people would be filled with the Spirit like never before. Get hungry right now. Get desperate right now. Cry out to God. God, if, if your presence doesn't go with me, I've got absolutely nothing. If your presence doesn't overwhelm my soul and transform my thinking, I've got absolutely nothing. I've got nothing, Lord. I'm tired of living. I'm in bondage to my body and its desires and my soul and its desires and my insecurities, Lord God. I'm stepping into my security in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I thank you for the new creation. I thank you, God, that you paid the price for me to live a whole life, not a two-thirds life, an abundant life of my spirit man being supercharged with mighty power in my inner man, Lord. I ask you right now, just ask God right now to fill you. Say, Say, Lord, I pray right now in this moment, out of the riches of your glory, I would be strengthened with mighty power in my inner being. Just pray that right now. I'd be strengthened with mighty power in my inner being. Lord, I just pray a release right now to everyone listening to this. Right now, in this moment, they would just get before you. They would cry out before you right now now, in this moment, by faith, and step in. I just speak uh, impartation right now of the life of the Spirit in Christ Jesus to flood their thinking, their subconscious, their conscious mind, their their uh, mind, their will, Lord God, that their will right now, Lord God, would be shattered, Lord God, their will that is living for themselves and living for the lies and living for the things that people said that they should live for rather than the kingdom of God. You don't live the life of, that somebody else wanted for you. You must live the life that God wants for you. Lord, and I just pray that your life, your thoughts, your desires now would just come into their soul, into their mind, into their thinking, Lord God, and into their body, Lord. I pray right now, Lord God, that many would be touched. Lord, everyone hungry that's hungry right now, the hungry get fed in the kingdom of God. Just get hungry before God right now. Do not miss this moment. Do not let it pass you up. This is why I've made these CDs, so that you don't live a worthless life, that you don't waste any more time, but you step into what God has for you, and you begin to live as a son of God on the face of this earth, and transform things, and bring the kingdom wherever you go, Lord God. I thank you. These are kingdom people I'm speaking to, and they are being filled with the Spirit like never before, God that a flood of your life is entering into them that they will never be the same Lord and I pray they nurture this now they don't go back to their old thinking they don't go back to doing what they used to do that caused their soul to dominate their lives I break that dominion of the soul right now and I proclaim the dominion of the kingdom of God be released into every person that is listening right now we speak your kingdom come this is what we speak when we say God Jesus told us to pray this way your kingdom come and when we we say Holy Spirit, come. We're not just saying come down from the sky, and we're saying if we we're already filled with the Spirit, we're saying come, come from from my inner man into my soul, come and transform my life. Say we can't, I Lord, I can't live without your transforming life, Lord God, and He will answer this prayer when you cry out. He will answer this because this is His will that the life of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, that which is in you by the power of the Holy Spirit transforms your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and transforms your body and releases the miracles and everything through your body. And Lord, I just speak it now, and I thank you, Lord. I pray everyone that received this, Lord, and those that received it, Lord God, would nurture it, and that it would even deepen, and more of your life would, of the Spirit would flood them, Lord God, as they nurture this, as they're on their knees, as they're crying out to you, Lord God. And I break the hold of the enemy, and I just bind this seed from being stolen from people, that they won't go back to life as normal, and that, wow, that was a great message, and yeah, that was, I got some warm and fuzzies, but I'm just going to go back to my life the way it was. No, let this transform you forever, and let just this be the start Let it be the start of the kingdom. Let it even just multiply from here. The more you nurture this, the more you will step out. The more you will walk in victory. The more you will see the kingdom of God released wherever you go. I bless them, Lord, and I thank you for them. God bless them. Let them never be the same, God. Let them never be the same. I thank you they are changed in a moment by you. Only you can do it, Lord God. And I thank you, and I just release your glory right now. In Jesus' name, receive now. Amen.